This podcast is brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or an investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean that it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Santralaya and I'm joined by Robert Ulster and Isabel Alvaran. Hello to you both. Hi. Good morning. Now, I cannot believe we're sat here and it's December already. How quickly has this year sped by? Uh, November's come and gone. It's been a fascinating month. We've had yet more evidence of inflationary pressures uh, weakening across major economies. Um, And it seems to have given markets a welcome dose of confidence. We saw in the US, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, the S&P all hitting highs for the year. Uh, In fact, it was the strongest month for US equities since July 22, with gains across sectors. And it wasn't just equities uh, that have enjoyed November, not to be left out. Longer dated bonds also had a good time, both corporate and uh, government bonds there. So plenty of momentum taking us into that final month of the year. And given that it is the the last month of the year, I thought it would be uh, a good time to take a look back at 2023 and have a have a look at what's shaped this year from a financial perspective. And then without getting too Dickensian, Christmas Carol-esque, once we've had a look at the past, uh, we'll turn our attention to the future. So what's 2024 going to look like and, and what's going to be driving that? What do we think is going to be driving that? So Isabel, I'm going to start with you. Um, If we're looking back at 2023, what would you say has been the most important factor for you this year? I think for me, the key determinant of, you know, how markets have performed has been uh, interest rate expectations. So if you cast your minds back further to 2022, you know, that was a year all about rate rises Mm. and the expectation of higher interest rates. Now, 2023, we certainly saw a lot of rate rises, but in terms of what expectations were on a forward-looking basis, that's been all about when are we going to get cuts? And I think that has um, certainly played out in market performance. So if we look at how bonds have performed and the leadership within equities, I think that very much reflects the fact that this year, you know, people have been looking to the future and thinking about when those cuts are going to be. I had a feeling you were going to say interest (laughs) rates is your answer. Um, And how have expectations, how accurate have expectations been over the course of the year? Because there's there's all sorts of, um, I I think there's quite a broad church of, of expectations from where we are today as to, are we going to see a cut very soon? Are the markets expecting a cut too soon? Uh, and then you've got big players out there saying that we're not expecting them soon enough. What, what, what do you think uh, is is the position? I think that's a key point. And, uh, you know, certainly probably towards the end of last year, expectations were probably a bit too soon. We've sort of seen that being pushed out. The Fed have certainly been pushing back against that. Mm. Um, in, in terms of kind of what seems likely... I think given that we are seeing a bit of an easing in data, then perhaps we can have a little bit more confidence that those cuts will come through. And that's that's been some of the, that's 
what's led the the positive November that we've had over the last few weeks? Absolutely. Uh, sort of looking at the data, I think there's three key things. One is the fact that the labor market is really showing signs of easing materially now. Secondly, energy prices are down quite a lot. You know, we had a bit of a run up earlier in the year, but recently we've seen quite a significant downdraft in energy prices. And thirdly, just broader activity has been a bit softer. So you mentioned the energy prices there. That's been a key driver of inflation. And as I mentioned, we've seen a meaningful drop so far this month or last month even. You've been signposting expectations for this drop, both of you, in fact, for for some time now. But you also mentioned that we're now getting to the crux of it, where it could be a bit more challenging to to get that final bit of inflation under control. What are you watching from here and how do you think it's developing? I think that's where this kind of point about activity is really important. And it's really connected to the point about the labor market. So one, obviously, wages are a cost that kind of feeds through into pricing and inflation, but also wages allow people to maintain their spending. So if we don't have strong wage growth, then it's difficult for consumption growth to be strong. So, you know, we're seeing um, slowing in openings, slowing in people doing voluntary um, job quit, uh, yeah, job changes, um, Mm. but we've seen a bit of a rise in redundancies All in all, I think that makes it a bit harder for wage growth to be really strong. So in time, we would expect that to feed through to softer consumption. And obviously, rates are at the base of a lot of calculations for valuations, but very crucial when it comes to the bond market. How's the bond market been reacting? Well, we've seen a pretty good month (laughs) for bonds, for sure. And I I think, you know, this kind of does come down to this more benign bond environment. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean there aren't still risks, because, you know, as you alluded to, there's quite a lot potentially baked in, in terms of the expectation around cuts. And we've already seen the Fed pushing back against that. Um, So, you know, there is risk, especially for longer duration bonds that are going to be much more sensitive to those changes. But, um, you know, that we're not seeing bonds being absolutely hammered in the way that we were before when we had this kind of relentless process of hikes and no end in sight. Mm. Robert, let's let's bring you into the conversation here. What, what particularly interested you over the course of 2023? I mean, everything that Isabel's just said, you know, I completely agree with from the economics point of view. That was by far the most interesting sort of series of events. In terms of the markets, I mean, equity markets and the leadership of the so-called Magnificent Seven, I think, has to Mm. be a standout. You know, if you'd asked about a year ago, there were very few people, if any, predicting that. And their strength really has accounted for virtually all of the US equity markets rise this year. If you take them out, um, the market's basically flat to slightly down. So that, I think, from an equity point of view, was a key event. And, and remind us or our listeners who the Magnificent Seven are, if, if, if you would. Yeah, it's Apple, yeah, Alphabet, which is Google, of course, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, uh, their brands there, Tesla, the electric car company, and NVIDIA, which is the, um, you know, the semiconductor yeah. graphics chip company that the ships are used in generative AI. So that, of course, has fed off the growth in Huge chat GPT. Growth. Exactly, yeah, which was 
basically launched what, just over a year ago. And, and are these companies justifying these valuations? Well, they make up or did make up at peak about nearly 30%, just under a third of the total wow. market, which is the highest sort of in history, really, for a group of stocks. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they've moved quite a lot through the year. Now, in terms of valuations, are they expensive or cheap relative to other parts of the market? No, we, we don't think so. So, you know, just before this podcast, I was chatting to our tech analysts about this. And now in terms of the sorts of potential for growth that all of those businesses have and certain elements of them, whether it's the cloud servers in Amazon or the new chips being developed by NVIDIA, we don't think they're expensive, no. Mm, interesting. And, and does this makeup of a market, having this narrowly led market, does it present any sort of a, an opportunity for, for our investment team? Yeah, I mean, it, it does, because at some point, you're right, there probably will be a retracement of rotation to other sectors. Um, and that does come on and play into what Isabel was saying and which will come on to about 2024. But structurally, sort of longer term, looking at that five or 10 year view, um, I think they're going to basically be the, the place where growth is going to be led from. Interesting. And well, 2024, Isabel, what do you think then are going to be the key considerations? What are you watching as we go into the next year? Mm. Well, we've talked a bit already about, you know, when a rate cut's going to happen. Mm. Um, I think in terms of a baseline expectation, well, the first quarter um, of 2024, from a growth perspective in the US, that's expected to be quite a soft quarter some of the reasons we've discussed so coupled with the fact that inflation is easing somewhat mm -hmm. we've had a more material easing in labor market conditions i think those factors could give the fed the confidence um you know once we've had a soft first quarter to begin discussing interest rate cuts so i think by the summer that we would expect to be in train but there's a second sort of factor that matters and that factor is not just when those rate cuts happen, but how they happen. Yeah. And that depends on what's happening in the economy at that time. So, you know, I've alluded to the fact that the first quarter is expected to be soft, but the question is how soft, right? If it's um, relatively kind of benign and quite mild, well, then we might see quite gradual rate cuts. If it's a bit more of a dramatic slowdown, which is not the baseline assumption, but you know we've got to keep an eye on the data and how that evolves, then you could see more dramatic rate cuts. Um, you know, central bankers tend to interest increase interest rates somewhat more gradually mm. when they're cutting them. Generally, it could be in slightly larger increments. So that's something to keep an eye on. Okay, and, and how might you position for that that rate cut? Yeah, um, it, there's sort of two scenarios here. You get the rate cut, and it's because the economy is actually slowing a lot more than we're presupposing. So it's not a soft landing, but the a hard landing. The, the hiking the cycle. In which case, sort of equities are going to do badly as the realisation of just how much slow mm. the economy is going to become, and therefore corporate earnings are going to get cut. So in that area, in, in that scenario, you want to be in defensive stock, stocks that have very resilient earnings. But there is an alternative, which is the soft landing, where we avoid a uh, big downdraft and interest rates, because inflation has peaked, start coming down, in which case equities will be quite strong. And in those sort of markets at the beginning, the value, the laggards, the cheap stocks, so those magnificent seven will probably 
underperform the mm -hmm. others and then later on as things normalize they'll pick up again so it does very much depend on 2024 about what isabel mm -hmm. was saying about how the economics play out here relative to equity and bond valuations so we're on a bit of a precipice at the moment we're just sort of waiting to see what the prevailing environment looks like as that first cut comes what what shape that cut looks like as to how we might position portfolios yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you're going to next your follow-up question yeah. is which one do we think? Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm still for the soft landing. Yeah, and it's soft for landing. the reasons that Isabel mentioned about the wage growth and the employment. I think it will soften, but not to the extent that I've seen in past economic cycles. And I think that carries us carries us through the dip, as it were. What about you, Isabel? Yeah, a thing to bear in mind is that, yes, we're seeing easing in the labour market, but it's still really tight by mm. sort of, you know, historical standards. So in terms of the job openings to unemployed workers ratio, that's still elevated compared to where it was through 2018 and 2019. The unemployment ratio, uh, is, you know, that's still pretty subdued. So mm. um, I think it's, there's a bit further to go before the loosening is kind of leading to the economy is kind of really yeah. suffering. There's some wiggle room in the economy, somewhat. Okay, so there's one other factor next year. Well, gonna, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of factors coming <laughs> in. But yeah, yeah. obviously, elections are going to have a key right, play right. In, in both the US and the UK. Um, how might that play into markets? Yeah, I guess for markets, I still would say that interest rates, which Isabel's been talking about, and inflation are going to be the key factor. So I, I put that as number one. But you're right. I mean, obviously, the, the elections are in the tail end, or depends, possibly in the spring in the UK, who knows. But generally, election years are good years for markets. Mm. Um, I think it's 20 out of the last 24 elections. Um, they, you know, markets have been quite strongly up. And the reason is, is that governments want to make voters feel better. So they push money into the economy. They Chucking sort of prime the it. They cut, winning again. Yeah, they chuck the, and that obviously feeds through to the corporates. So, yeah. yeah, if you're a betting person in terms of averages, the chances are that next year is going to be um, strong markets. Comforting to hear. Good. Well, look, thanks very much. It's always great to, to hear your views on the world. It's stat time. Uh, and given that it's December, we've got a bit of a sort of Christmas theme to it. Now, we Excellent. know <laughs> we know that Christmas is a huge spending period. Uh, I think in the US alone, the value of holiday shopping is predicted to hit $1 trillion wow. uh, in 2023. Trillion. Yeah. What recession, eh? So uh, <laughs> that's, that's 30 billion higher than last year. Mm. Now, my question to you guys, and there's a double, there's two at this. Um, what is the global value for Christmas decorations? Oh. The global value for so Christmas. And my US. data only goes to 2021, if that changes your thoughts in any way. But hmm. global. how so to approach that, this. That's a global value <laughs> per year, in, in yeah. a year. Okay, I'm going to guess it's something like half a billion. Isabel? I don't even, I'm trying to think how to approach this. If you think about how much you spend on decorations versus your presents and then scale that this. up. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a number out. Uh, Go higher. What did Robert say? It's half a billion. Half a billion. Three billion. Six. 0.8 billion. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is a big we number. We need to and spend that, more on decorations. That is not the only cost to us <laughs> decorating our houses. So according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission... How many trips to the emergency <laughs> room 
were a result of Christmas decorating or some sort of de Christmas decoration malfunction. To the nearest 10,000, sorry, to the nearest thousand. In the UK. Okay. In the US. In, in the, the US. US, so yeah. about 300 million people. It's got to be something like 50,000 people. Isabel? Uh, I'm going to guess lower than that. <laughs> uh, 10,000. So somewhere in the middle. It's 18,400. Okay. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen out there listening, be careful when you're up those ladders <laughs> spreading your Christmas cheer. Uh, and on that cheery note, we will sign off. Um, it seems very early to say it, but given that this is our last episode for the year, uh, I'd like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. So very best wishes to you all. And uh, Isabel, Robert, thank you so much for your time as always. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas.